Turn with me into the passage of Psalm 63, Psalm 63. When Pastor Brian asked me to preach for him on this day, the Lord just put it on my heart, Psalm 63, right away. And I was grateful for that. A lot of times it's the last minute. You don't know what you're going to preach on. But for this one, I was grateful that um, he told me right away, Psalm 63. In most of your Bibles, there's a superscription that says, A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And at first glance, you might think um, it was the time when he was running from King Saul before David was king. But if you look at verse 11 in Psalm 63, it says, David describes himself as the king. So most likely, the setting here is when David's son rebelled and set up his own kingdom and forced David out, and David's on the run, and, in, and that's in 2 Samuel 15 through 18. He's in the desert. He's forced David out of, that, of Jew, Jerusalem into the barren desert. And I want you to listen to the heart of David. Listen to his words that he penned and that we have the special privilege of hearing his word today. Psalm 63. <clears throat> and this is as he's leaving, or at least as before the battle. O oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. My right hand upholds me. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down in the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Lord, we just cry out to you that you would touch hearts and lives today with the very words from you through David and through this broken man to speak truth in the lives of people into his own life. May we hear a word from you today, Lord, and we pray it in the precious and lovely name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> this was a time when David was on the run. He might lose everything. He might lose his kingdom. He might lose his family, his reputation, even his life. And so here he did not complain. It's amazing. What do we do? The first thing that happens to us, we're, we're fussing or discouraged or distraught. And here David is. He's not complaining. He turns. Instead, he turns his heart to God and he seeks after him. He, and he sees that he is satisfied in him alone and he is secure in him. The word kesed, this steadfast love in verse 3 of chapter 63 is this covenant love. And David, of course, didn't know that, but it is the blood-bought covenant love of God that he commits to us, that he promises us, that we'll trust in his sacrifice, that we have 
We are secure in him. But here David is running from his murderous son Absalom, and the words expressed are coming from the depths of his heart, this shepherd king, this father. Where would David turn? What would David do in this time? Well, I like to see, there's three points here that I could discern from God's word, and we're going to take a little longer on the first point because it's a solid foundation that then comes into the second and third point. First, seek God earnestly in verses 1 through 4, chapter 63 or Psalm 63. And then secondly, be satisfied in God fully, Psalm 63, 5 through 8. And then thirdly, be secure in God completely, verses 9 through 11. But we want to lay a solid foundation, so it'll take just a bit longer in the first um, section here. Seek God earnestly. Now, it begins with an outburst of David. Oh God, you are my God. Now, I'm praying for myself and for you that if, when you get out of bed or when your feet are before they hit the ground, that this will become something that you will be able to say. And it'll just come out first maybe as something rote and just doing it because that's what God's Word says. But then Later, it might just flow out of you, and you really sense it and feel the power of God in you saying, Oh God, you are my God. Early, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now, I don't know. Is this true of you today? I hope so. Some days it is true of me. Some days it's not. But we want to seek God earnestly. Seek Him early. What do you do when, the, when something happens to you, when life goes sour, when difficulties straddle your pathway like a, a monster, or you lose a job, or you make some bad grades, or you, have a, you lose your ministry, or you lose a spouse, or you lose a dear friend, or you lose your health? Or like David, he, he was losing a rebellious son. Hmm. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. So some translations would say early, maybe some in yours, and some say earnestly. Both carry the same sense of the meaning, that in the morning, early, earnestly. <clears throat> Remember when Israel was in the desert and the manna was coming down to the manna? What did they have to do? They had to get the manna early, right? If they didn't get it early before the sun came up, it would dissipate. And in a similar way, that's the way our life is. If we don't get up in the morning, get up early, and get our time with the Lord, if you go to the newspaper first, or if you go to your cell phone first, or if you go whatever, it hinders the, the sense of God's presence, the power of God in you. So go early. Maybe there was a desert in God, or in, around David, but there was no desert around him. What did he do? He prayed. He prayed, he was beholding, he was being grateful, he was worshiping. Look at verse 1. Oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. In this separation of time, it made David realize his longing for God. He loved God, he wanted to know God. He, the world is like a desert to us. In this desert that we live in, we must long for God. We must memorize God's Word, meditate on it, hunger after God. I love what Augustine says, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. 
Our souls are made to hunger for God. We hunger for all other kind of things, but our soul, the only thing that will satisfy it is the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on that cross for you. Seek God earnestly. Seek God early. The world offers you prestige. The world offers you power. The world offers you promotion and wealth and fame and even relationships. But there's only one relationship that matters. That is Jesus Christ, our Lord. The world is passing away, the Bible says, and in all of its desires. But Jesus offers you the water of life, living water. You remember the story of the Samaritan woman, right? She had sought satisfaction in relationships. Many of you have. I have tried to find satisfaction in a relationship, but she came out empty. John 4, 13 says, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This living water, day by day, in prayer, in getting into the presence of God, walking with him, remembering the sacrifice Christ made for you. He shed his blood so that you might have a relationship with him. We look back at Adam and Eve. What do they do? They walked in the garden with God. They, they had this sweet, tender, incredible relationship with him. But it was broken through sin. And why did, God, why did Christ come back? Yes, to cover our sin, but also to have an intimate, deep relationship with you and me. As though, and even better than your best friend. And so why do we struggle? Why do we mess around with religion and read the Word of God just as it's some wooden kind of thing instead of realizing that the Word of God leads you to Christ, the relationship with Him. Be careful. Be careful not to get caught up in just doing, 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 but get in His presence. Bask in His presence. He longs to, he longs to have a relationship with you. The Bible says in Psalm 145, 18, The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in sincerity and truth i remember my life before around 18 years old i was just crying out to god lord i if you're there i want to know you but if you're not there i don't want to play any games and and god revealed himself to me through his word and taught me that he want to, wanted to enable me to do all the things that he's asked me to do i was trying to live the christian life in my own power maybe elizabeth and that's a beautiful testimony thank you elizabeth but I realized I couldn't, that only Christ can live that life. I like what C.S. Lewis says. <clears throat> it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered. <laughs> wow. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Go after God. Go after him with all your heart. Long for him. Seek for him. You'll see him and you'll find him in this dry and weary land. Are you thirsting for God? Or are you being satisfied by this desert that we live in in this world? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. That is his promise. God promises you. You ask and it will be given to you. Seek 
and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be opened to you. Go after him. When was the last time you said and really meant it, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. David goes on in saying his, what his thirsting means, what his seeking means, beholding in verse 2. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. He did not long just for the sanctuary, but for God, beholding him, beholding his power, beholding his glory. It was a physical picture, the Ark of the Covenant was a physical picture of the presence of God. But David did a startling thing. If you look in 2 Samuel 15 or so, or up through 18, you see that he sent the Ark back. The Ark was a physical picture of the very presence of God, and David sends it back to Jer Jerusalem because David, as John Phillips would say, David had the substance, so why retain the shadow? David had the substance. David had the presence of God with him all along the way. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Or Moses. What did Moses do? Now, I want to remember, these are Old Testament characters who do not have had the Spirit of God around them and even maybe filled them for a time. We have the Spirit of God in us right now and relating to us, helping us understand His Word. And we have, it'd be like um, if Monty and I, Monty and I know each other, but if we if he gave me his spirit and I gave his, him my spirit, how much more we would know each other and understand each other, the depths of our heart. God gives you his spirit to live inside of you. Mm. So here we are with Moses. Show me your glory. Come on, people. Moses would come out of those meetings with his face glowing. And what does Paul say about that in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3.18? And we, with unveiled face, unveil your face before God in the sense of allowing him to see your He knows your sin. He knows your brokenness. But get into his presence and just speak to him, talk to him. And then you behold his glory by looking into his word, beholding the glory of the Lord. And you will be transformed, the scripture says, into the same image from one degree of glory to the other. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We become like what we behold. If we start beholding some person you'll become like them you behold Christ Jesus our Lord and you'll become like him another ingredient of seeking God is being grateful verse 3 when you're seeking after God you'll have a grateful heart here David because your steadfast love is better than life my lips will praise you verse 3 so David's life was flashing before him his own son who was born in his own home was seeking to take his life and take his kingdom what did David do he didn't complain. He began to think through this covenant love of God, this kessed love of God. And for God, a promise is a promise. When he says it, he will do it. So here was one, David, who did not yet know of the Messiah, Yeshua. He did not know of Jesus, who would come from his very loins, the God-man, who was the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world, who would shed his blood to validate this covenant and say he already had seen it, that it's better than life. How about you? How about me? Do I see what God has done for me is better than life? Would I cut my eyes out so that I could seek him more? Would I move a limb so I could seek him more? I'm not saying you should do that. You shouldn't do that. But in a spiritual way, Shut off your phone. Shut off your eyes. Whatever it takes to go after God with all your heart, do it. You, are, you and me 
or playing with mud pies when we could be at the nice, sandy, white beaches of Panama City and enjoying the beach. So how much more, David, if David saw this as covenant, his great covenant love, how much more for us? For we know, in John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Not just believe in a knowledge way, but you Trust in him and sense that that is a chair. You sit in that chair and you trust that chair. You are trusting it with everything you got in him and him alone. But think for a minute with me. Did, you know, and you say, well, I've got sin. And, and yes, but like Elizabeth said, I, come just as you are. Come just as you are. He's the one that cleanses us. You can't cleanse yourself. Is it possible here? David even remembered his own sin. David remembered the sin of adultery. David remembered the sin of murder. And he knew that he deserved the death penalty, just like every one of us deserved the death penalty. But Nathan comes to David. When David says, David says to Nathan, the prophet, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, listen to this, 2 Samuel 12, 13. The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. He's saying that to you and me. The Lord has put your sin away. You shall not die. You shall have life full and abundant. Not just in heaven, but now. A little taste of heaven now because the Spirit of God is in you. Where the presence of the Lord is, that's where heaven is. He is here now in you. I <laughs> preach or was a pastor of small churches for a number of years, and I did quite a lot of funerals. <laughs> and most of the t- many times people would come up to me and we'd say, um, I can't wait to go to heaven and see my husband, and see my friend, see my wife, my child, or whatever. And I, didn't, wasn't th- I knew that this didn't sound right to me, but I wasn't sure exactly why it didn't sound right to me. But, you know, when we have the understanding of God's covenant love, His precious blood-bought sacrifice for us, it's not other people we're going to want to see. We're going to want to see Jesus, our Lord. And maybe you say, well, I'm going to be right at the gates. Maybe, Well, maybe you can look in the keyhole, through the keyhole, and see Jesus. But let me tell you, you and I, if we begin to seek him earnestly, seek him early, we will have a longing to see him, to see his face, to hug him, and just say, thank you, Jesus, for this abundant life here on this earth and eternal life forever and ever. And what will we do? We will sing amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? And we not only see this in David's life, we see, this, we see him worshiping in verse 4. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. So the more you understand, the more you get into the presence of God, the more you allow him to take, you take the veil off in a sense and allow him to, to shine his glory on you, the more you're going to see the depths and the rottenness of your own sin and the more you're going to be so grateful for this incredible love of God. Because when you get in the holy presence of God, I don't care how spiritual you think you are, there's darkness there. Thank you, Jesus, that you cleansed us with your blood, though. So David here is worshiping. How, how is he worshiping? <clears throat> he says, so I'll bless you as long as I live, praising God, worshiping God. As long as I live, I will bless you as long as I live. As long as I have breath, I will bless you. Now, in pursuit of God, 
we must seek God earnestly. And secondly, we will be satisfied in God fully. Verses 5 through 8. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. Think for a moment about David's situation. What was he doing? He was going out of Jerusalem. The scripture tells us in 2 Samuel 15 through 18 that he was barefoot. He was destitute. He was the king of all, king of, of the kingdom of Israel. He had been forced to leave. He was destitute. To me, in a sense, is a picture of the way we need to be. The scripture tells us that we, blessed are the poor in spirit. We need to come to God every day, destitute. Oh God, I am poor in spirit. I am destitute. I have nothing without you. I have everything with you, but nothing without you. He was a destitute beggar. He was dependent on the kindness of his friends that were going with him, the generosity of them, his friends. But he didn't feel sorry for himself. He had God. He had God. He had God. So what did it matter if he lost all else? So what did this look like in David's life? And what should it look like in our life? It will result in praising it will result in remembering. So we can check ourselves. When we really are seeking after God, when we're satisfied in Him alone, there will be praising, there will be remembering, there will be meditating, there will be confiding and clinging. Verse verse 5 says, praising. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Now, somehow the Hebrews had a greater delight in, in, in fat portions of food than any. I remember one time I was trying to, diet and keep my weight down and and I was using these little things what those little packets are pink and blue and yellow or whatever and my wife Betty had been reading something about them and one of them was supposed to maybe kill your brain cells or something and she just looked at me and she said honey I'd rather have you fat than dumb <laughs> so I don't know maybe this is this marble steak I'm not sure it's better than a dried out steak right So his satisfaction, though, resulted in praising with joyful lips. And I love this verse. Adam, this is a verse that y'all do and the choir does and you as congregation sings that the Lord abides in the praise of his people. It's just just amazing to me that, that when do I sense God's presence the most? When I am praising, singing with all my heart to God. When I'm just listening to him listening to you sing, listening to the choir sing, the orchestra play, praising with all of my heart. The Lord abides in the praise of the people. If you want to sense God's presence, just begin to praise Him. If you don't know how to praise Him, get in the book of Psalms. Find a psalm and just read it out to you like we do on Wednesday night. Read a verse and then express it in your personal way. That's the way to learn. Pray. It's an amazing that a man running away from a murderous son... <laughs> was praising God, but he was because God's presence was with him. So what else does this satisfaction in God look like? Remembering. When I remember you, verse 6, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate you on the watches of the night, at this time David's bed was his ground, his pillow was a rock, yet his thoughts turned to God. I remember you. Now maybe remembering God was when David was protected over time. Remember he was protected over and over again from the lion, protected from Goliath, protected from King Saul in the same desert that he was wandering now. But I'm wondering if the remembering is more the remembering of his covenant love when he forgave him, when he did some 
adultery and when he did um, sin against Uriah and murdered Uriah, that God forgave him. So praising, remembering, meditating, being satisfied in God means when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. It's easy to picture evil around David right now. He didn't know when they would attack him, when Absalom and his followers would attack. Darkness was around. It's night. You know, David should be sleeping because he is on his bed, but he's not sleeping. He's wide awake. Some of us older folks know how that is a lot. (laughs) Just wake up. Hard to get back to sleep. Spend time in the Word of God. Just let it soak in. Let it read it to you whatever get your phone then let it read it to you whatever it takes be satisfied in God he was weary I imagine some anxious thoughts swirling about his mind why Lord why why oh my own son Absalom would do such a thing why is this happening to me what will happen to the kingdom what will happen to my followers but where did David take his anxious thoughts take them and lay them before the Lord Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Whose mind, whose thoughts end with God. Don't let your thoughts take you away. Yes, every one of us have evil thoughts, but don't entertain them. It's like Martin Luther said, A bad thought is like a bird landing on your head. That's not sin, but if it lays in builds a nest on your head that's when it's sin so just shoo it off get the god word of god in your heart use it against it glance at your problems and gaze at christ remember praying praising remembering meditating satis- being satisfied in god and then confiding for you have been verse seven for you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings i will sing for joy maybe here david's thinking about an eagle a little eaglet in the nest of his mother and being protected from all harm, or possibly he's picturing the Ark of the Covenant and the incredible cherubim wings hanging over, overseeing the Ark and the mercy seat where the priest would have to put blood and where ultimately Jesus Christ in heaven put his blood that was sacrificed for us. He was placing his trust in a merciful God. The blood ultimately of his son Jesus God's Son, Jesus, was placed on the altar in heaven that we might have life and have it eternally. Hebrews 9, 12. What we see more clearly, David did not see yet. But he was placing his whole trust in the shadow of your wings, he says, I will sing for joy. Clinging, verse 8. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. Last night, um, our little Samuel, little one-year-old in Jackson, Tennessee, FaceTimed us and He's just starting to talk, use our names and things like that. And he said, um, he says, Papa. And uh, I, yeah, I guess you have to be a grandfather to understand, but it just goes right to your heart. Papa. But can you imagine us with God? Reaching your hand up, Lord, I need you. Holding your hand out. God holds his hand down to you and says, Papa. You say, Papa. And he says, hey, my child, just stick close to me. Hold on to me. We'll walk through this. We'll walk through these troubled waters. Be all right. Be satisfied in God, praising, remembering, meditating, confiding, and clinging. 
like Brother Lawrence in practicing the presence of God or the pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Remember this. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Don't hang in with religion. You have a relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords through the power of the Spirit of God living inside of you. Get in His presence. Just close the door. Turn out the lights. Whatever it takes, you focus on Him and, and say, God, I want to know you. I want to know you desperately. He wants that. That's why Jesus died. He wants a relationship with you that will start now and last for all eternity. If we seek God earnestly and are satisfied in Him fully, lastly, we'll be secure in God completely. Right, 9 through 11. We see here that in David's life and ours, we see that those who seek to destroy me will be destroyed. They will fall into the net of their own making. And our response, rejoice, verses 11, verse 11. The latter part of verse 11, you'll see, is God's response. He will shut up the mouth of liars. And the greatest liar speaks to you with his, his demons into your... Satan probably doesn't ever really tempt any of us, but he uses his own fallen angels to speak evil things in our mind. We all have evil in our own hearts. But don't believe the lie. John Phillips would say, our enemies are doomed, <laughs> defeated, and devoured. Verse 9 says, but those who seek to destroy my life will go down, shall go down in the depths of the earth. What was it? King Saul. We see it in Absalom. We see it in Ahithophel, the, the one that was counseling Absalom. It was a dangerous thing to appoint, to, excuse me, to um, oppose the Lord's anointed. And it still is. It's a very dangerous thing. And you are anointed by God. You are His child. You are in His presence. You walk with Him. He loves you. He cares for you. Here the battle is not fought yet. When David penned these words, it says they shall be given over to the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. By faith he was saying these things. But he may, he may have had a general or two and a few good men, but David was still confident being on God's side. He was God's anointed. So when the battle commenced a little bit later, the forest slew more people than the sword in 2 Samuel 18. It brings out the visual picture to me of J.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. When the Ents, the creatures that were closely resembling massive trees in Middle Earth, came alive <laughs> and battled evil. What an what amazing story. He goes on to write, They, the enemies, shall be a portion of jackals. In the Hebrew mind, there was nothing worse than dying or being killed and your body remained unburied or became a prey to scavenger, beast, or birds. We remember the story of Jezebel in 1 Kings 21 and 24, cursed of God, and the dogs ate her flesh. Or Ahab, where the dogs licked up his own blood. Now, Absalom was trying to drive David off the throne, and it was impossible. Why? Because God had put David on the throne. He would have tried, he could, it was as though he would have tried to drive God off the throne. And that's why David had victory, and that's why you and I have victory. God is on the throne. He's on the throne in your life. He's on the throne in my life. He's on the throne in heaven. He oversees all the world. 
He allows all these evil, wicked things to fall through the nail-scarred hands of Christ, and then he takes those bad things that happen to us, and he turns them for our good, changes us to make us more like Jesus. David continues, but the king shall rejoice in God. Look for the victory. Look for the victory. Look for the victory. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouth of liars will be stopped. For years, Absalom had spewed out propaganda and lies against his own dad. David's character was tarnished. Lying tongues of men were as though they were throwing mud on David's white garments. What did David do? Instead of wiping off his garments, David rejoiced in God. Don't reprove, just let it sink in. So many times, even when David walked away from Jerusalem, he was being rebuked by Shimei uh, and throwing stones at him. He didn't reprove him. He was allowing this to just sink in and let him be humble so that he might know God deeper. Yes, David had done wrong things. He'd done some very bad things. He'd done some very, very wrong things. But under the blood of Christ, he was cleansed. And under the blood, God vindicated him. Now, you, do, you, do you possess? Let me ask you a few questions. Do you possess this type of thirst for the Father? Many times I have to say no to myself. Do you seek a closer relationship with Jesus? Oh, yeah. Do you crave a deeper experience with the Holy Spirit? Oh, yes. Then quit dabbling with religion and go after God through Jesus Christ our Lord and the power of the Spirit of God. Make that your number one priority. Sink your heart, your soul with all your might. Matthew 6, says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And Ephesians 3.19 says, And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You and me. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. If you seek Him and are satisfied in Him, you will be secure in Him. And I want you to just let those words sink in and let them stay at the front of your mind, the front of your brain. Seek Him, satisfied, secure. Now, we must be very, very careful not to let this world, not to let these, our earthly priorities crowd out our souls, for we'll be impoverished. We'll be like in a desert land trying to get water out of it when there's living water right around the corner. We speak to God in prayer. He speaks to us through His Word. Sometimes trials are needed to get our attention, and so be it. But may you, along with me, say and make this your goal. Psalm 63:1. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Let us pray. Oh God. So many times we're nowhere close to this. But Lord, we want to be this way. We know that you want to be with us, want to have a relationship with us. We know it takes the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. And Lord, we know we come just as we are. 
without one plea, that, that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. We come to you, Lord, because we know that you have the living water and the bread of life. We thank you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us today. If you felt the Lord leading you to respond today, whether that was to receive Christ for the first time or to take your next step in baptism, or if you have a prayer request, we want to start that conversation with you. Visit lakeviewbaptist.org contact to get in touch with one of our pastors. And as always, you can stay connected with us through our social media and website.